the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Happy Friday, everybody. Live and local, 6.04 p.m. Woo! What a week. I started the week in Florida, uh, and I only really worked three days. Does not seem that way. Um, I, yesterday was opening day. Uh, Luca on Wednesday predicted the, the Yankees uh, lineup and that they were going to win, and he got that right. Oh, oh yeah, there was that other thing, um, that 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 case in lower Manhattan. Well, we have a, a great show for you. I know it's Friday, and you want to be a little lighthearted. So I try to balance. I did a little balance. We have a very serious guest, but we're going to do some lighthearted stuff with him until the very end. Uh, we're going to have Donald Trump's lawyer, uh, Joe Tacopina, on the show with us uh, for uh, all three segments after this one. So you will hear, um, uh, you know, a little bit about the case. But honestly, if you want to know about the case from Joe Tacopina's perspective, he was everywhere. He was on every national morning show. He was on Rosanna Scotto and Bianca on, on Fox 5. Uh, you know, he's just, he was on Sean Hannity last night. He was on Newsmax last night. All about the, the, the case, the case, the case. So what I want to provide to you is a little bit about who this guy Joe Tacopina is. Let's face it. Um, I've had some high-profile cases. Joe's had some high-profile cases. Uh, this this dwarfs everything. I mean, it's bigger than the O.J. Simpson case. I mean, at least on a short-term basis. Um, so I'm going to see if I could pull out of Joe some some stories uh, about when, when he was a kid. It's no secret uh, that Joe and I you know, grew up together. Uh, we weren't super close at all. He was a year older than me. I was a thespian. He was an athlete. But we went to a really small school. Um, before we get there... I just want to juxtapose something in the law to you on this Friday. Um, a friend of mine, Roseanne, yesterday she called me, maybe the day before, and said, listen, I have a client I want to send you away. And Arthur, it's not a big money case or anything like that. It's a very simple case, but I really would like you to help. So this young man comes in, let's call him Savario, and um, he's in his early 40s. And he's Sicilian. He, uh, you know, speaks perfect uh, Italian slash Sicilian. And um, he met with myself and Judge Cavins yesterday morning. Just a, a, a super nice guy. Um, he was, I want to say, a traffic agent. And then he, now he drives the bus. He drives uh, for the MTA, actually in the neighborhood where I live. 
And after 15 years of marriage, they have two twin children, a boy and a girl. They're eight years old. And after 15 years of marriage, he and his wife had a really bad fight uh, about a week ago. And he, uh, he was arrested. Um, and there was an order of protection that was put into place, which so that you understand what an order of protection is. It's a document that the judge signs that says you, uh, Mr. Defendant, cannot go near in any way, shape or form this person. And that person is his wife. Um, they also included his son because they said when uh, the mother, when the mommy and daddy were having this fight, that the son was there. Uh, to be clear, my client denies all the charges. Yesterday there was a fight, um, but he doesn't say he hurt anyone. The, the, these are not not serious injuries. We're talking about a black and blue on an arm um, and maybe a black and blue on a forehead that in the pictures that were turned over in Discovery, I I told the judge, I'm not trying to be a wise guy, but I mean, I really don't see any injury in this picture. No, nobody went to doctors, hospitals, no stitches, nothing like that. But for a week now, Savario, who is a real doting father over these two 18, eight, eight, year old twins has not been able to see his children or speak to them even on the phone. So I get retained on the case yesterday and it's a misdemeanor. It's a low level, very low level crime case. And I don't uh, often uh, do those cases anymore because there are people here who know it better than I do. Lino, who uh, Damasi, who just left the Brooklyn DA's office and who was there and handled these cases much more recently than I did. Um, it's just not what I do, but it's what I used to do um, when I was a prosecutor and um, a lot. And then as a defense attorney initially, a lot. And I did it in that building, 120 Skimmerhorn Street. So it's Friday afternoon at 2.15, 2.30. I'm, I'm jumping on the subway from Midtown down to Brooklyn. Took the, the F train to J Street. Got a lot of work done in that half hour on the train. And I go into a, basically an empty building because it's Friday afternoon. And... They, as I was going there, they're like, oh, this is on for a hearing about the order of protection. There's a, a new type of hearing called a Crawford hearing where if a defendant feels that the order of protection should not be there, you could m- do an argument in front of the judge. So my initial thing was, well, let's just kick it down the road and give me you – know, I just got the case last night. Let me just see uh, if if I take a week and to figure this out and then we can come back. And John Esposito, my partner, goes, no way. He's like, you're Arthur. This is criminal court. You're going to go in there and say you want to do the hearing right now. So this is when I was leaving the office. I was like, okay. So I go on the train, and I'm reading all about this case, this Crawford case, and what the requirements are at the hearing. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm knowing I have to do this Takapina interview that we're going to do next. And I'm like, you know, that, that I want to make sure that that goes well. And here it is, Joe Tacopina is representing, you know, the biggest client. And I'm on a train going to the lowest court representing this one individual. So we make these, you know, it's kind of like I wasn't upset or anything. I was just thinking about it. Um, I could have been I could have asked someone else to do it. There were plenty of other people here could have done that case. I said, no, I'm going to go do it. And I am so happy that I did. I went down there. The judge was wonderful. She was a young woman. Um, it's amazing. Now I'm older than the judges. Hello. Um, and 
No, the prize. Like, the judge, oh, is both sides ready for the hearing? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I just said, Judge, you know, I got retained last night. I got to see the discovery in the back of the courtroom from the legal aid attorney who showed it to me. But I'm ready to proceed. And in the p- paperwork that was given to us, in the handwritten section where the wife wrote down what happened, she never mentioned, she mentions in her writing that their son, who he's prevented from seeing, is sleeping. And then never mentions that he then wakes up and comes there and, and witnesses this altercation between mommy and daddy. So I made a pretty impassioned, calm, but impassioned argument why my client should be let in the house. And it's like a two-family house and one of the units is vacant, the one downstairs. And why my client should be let back in the house and should be able to see his child. And don't forget, this is an Italian-American, very close family, 15 years uh, never had a big fight like this before. No incidents that are on record. No arrests. He works for the MTA. Um, he's a great dad. He's never he's never been in trouble. And uh, the judge agreed to lift the order of protection and make it a limited order of protection regarding his son. And I, I so I said, okay, Your Honor, so he could see his son. And she's like, yes. I want someone to arrange it with his wife. But yes, he can see his son on a regular basis. There doesn't need to be any supervision. And so I'm like still working with the judge. And I just hear like behind me like, like this little sound. And I look and there's Savario and he's crying. And because he was so happy. He, He said, since his children were born, they're eight years old. This is the longest he's gone without seeing them, which is one week. And all of a sudden my eyes welled up with water. And because I can understand what that's like, whether times I went through a little rough with Luca um, or, you know, when I just miss uh, Arthur or Ariana, uh, I could really feel that he was he was overwhelmed that he was so happy he was going to be able to see his children. And when it ended, I thanked the judge and everyone else. And we're going to come back in, in six weeks. And hopefully I could resolve this. And he gave me such a big hug because he said, you know, it's Palm Sunday and it's Easter and God willing, I'll be able to see my kids. He's able to live downstairs. So his children are going to be upstairs with the wife. He's going to be downstairs. God willing, she cooperates. And these eight-year-olds are not going to suffer. Mommy's upstairs. Daddy's downstairs. And they'll just go back and forth. And on that train ride home, I'm thinking, you know, Takapini's got this big case coming up. But the feeling of gratification and satisfaction that I just got to help another human being the way I helped Savario today made me feel really good. Made me feel really, really good. Um, Going into the weekend, I'm going to have dinner with Luca now, and we have a great weekend planned. We're going to have a Palm Sunday meal with the whole family. Little Arthur's under the weather with a little earache for being in the water so much, so we got to take care of him. But... um, you know, I, I count my blessings, and I'm grateful for Roseanne for sending me that case. I sent her a text thanking her, and I'm grateful the judge agreed with my arguments, and I'm happy I helped this this man, and I hope uh, he and his wife can figure things out, although they're not allowed to talk right now, but we'll figure that part out, but I hope he gets to spend some time with his kids. You guys should uh, pour yourself a drink. We're not going to do Padre Lose Libation this week because I just don't have time. I think Mr. Takapina is going to take up all our time. Don't go away. You're going to have a great, great interview, I'm pretty sure, with Joe Takapina.
This is Dennis Prager inviting you to join me for a memorable travel opportunity that will be a highlight of your life. Mike Gallagher and I are headed again back to Israel in October for the Stand with Israel tour. Join us along with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. We'll visit key sites in the Holy Land, thoughtfully designed to give you unprecedented access to a region you may have only read about. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com for details. We'll uncover important geopolitical sites and show you Israel's significance on the world stage. You'll set foot on the ancient streets of Jerusalem, sail the Sea of Galilee, pray at the Western Wall, and much more. We'll have guides specifically for our group, lavish accommodations, and I will even broadcast my show from Israel. No other trip will be like the Stand with Israel tour. Come with Mike Gallagher and me this October. Register today. Call 855-565-5519, 855-565-5519, or just go to StandWithIsraelTour.com, StandWithIsraelTour.com. Remember when you were in your teens and you thought you were invincible? Well, the same rationale applies to adults, too. When we're feeling good, we think everything is okay, and we don't need a power of attorney, or we think we don't need a health care proxy. We think, ah, we'll worry about that when we're older or we become sick. Well, nothing can be further from the truth. The fact is, if something happens, you might not be able to designate a power of attorney or health care proxy. What happens then? Then the state or the courts may have to make those choices for you. Is that what you want? Of course not. It's essential to create a power of attorney and a health care proxy as soon as you can when you're healthy. Call Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law. They really know this stuff. They've been doing it for 40 years. They will help you make a plan that protects you best. You'll designate who you want to make decisions for you. For a free in-person initial consultation with a lawyer, call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in iHeart or Odyssey.com. Well, either you're closing your eyes to a situation you do not wish to acknowledge, or you are not aware of the caliber of disaster indicated by the presence of a pool table in your community. Well, you got trouble, my friend. Right here, I say trouble right here in River City. Why, sure, I'm a billiard player. Certainly mighty proud to say I'm always mighty proud to say well, I consider when the I sang this song on the stage of Polyprep in uh, March of 1985. Oh, boy. Seems like it was yesterday. I used to know all these words. I, I did it flawlessly. Um, our next guest had already left Polly, so he didn't see the standing ovation I got when I finished singing the song. He was up at Skidmore playing hockey. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough back in the 1980s to attend a school by the name of Poly Prep. I think the official name was Polytechnic Preparatory Country Day School in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And let me tell you why I went to Poly Prep. I went to Poly Prep because the local um, middle school and high school were, were pretty rough and tumble back then. And uh, I really didn't feel like getting beat up. I had a choice to go to Zavarian High School, which was all boys. Uh-uh. Or Poly Prep, which was co-ed. And it was a very small school. So I knew people even three grades above me, four grades above me. Rob Sabah, who's been on this show, he's two grades below me. Uh, I believe Bruce Sharon, who's been on this show, he's five grades above me. Billy Santo was six grades above me. But it was a very small environment. And one of the people who I knew there, and I remember watching him sweat and struggle um, on the mat of the wrestling, in, in the, the field house on the wrestling mat, watching him... 
He'll correct me. He was either number 72. I think he was 73. I think Matt Curley was 72. Playing tackle for the poly prep football game, football team. Playing catcher for the poly prep baseball team. He wasn't good enough to play lacrosse like us other tough guys. Um, uh, is our next guest, and I can't hide my relationship with him. Uh, the, the biggest lawyer in the, probably on the planet Earth right now. His face is everywhere. Joe Tacopina. Hello, Joe. Tell me what I got wrong in my introduction there. Uh, 73, not 72. You're right about that. And, uh, I believe champion in wrestling. So, uh, other than that, nothing, man. That was amazing. Well, was, was, were you was, 188? What'd you weigh? When, uh, Ivy's, I weighed at 170 because I was wearing, literally wearing glad garbage bags every night, chewing gum to get the saliva out of my system. So I, you know, <laughs> didn't have any water weight on, ate celery for dinner. And then, uh, you know, to make weight, which was what the whole horrible. Was. I remember you, know, you know, guys. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Remember you were yeah, running. You'd, get, you'd run on the the balcony of the pool because yes, the pool was so yes. hot and you so just hot. sweat and it was. With it looked like a lot of And then I'd go, we'd go to Fagliano's house. I'd go into that. You know, he was the only one that was wealthy enough. I didn't have a sauna in his house. I'd go with my garbage bags into his sauna and sit there until I basically passed out, which was really healthy. Because now, Joe, I, the IVs, I was hospitalized. I went uh, had to wrestle the Nationals at 188, which was not a fun thing. Yeah, those guys are a little little bigger. And um, since before we get into the serious stuff, didn't something happen with you at Fagliano's house, at Danny Fagliano's house, regarding a dog? Yes, yes. His Doberman pinches those beasts, you know, almost bit my face off. I mean, thank God. he One of his dogs, who we were playing Stratomatic, me, Fagliano, uh, Anastasio, Del Corso, and we were playing that, that baseball game we played, Stratomatic, and we had heroes, which we always would get from one of the hero shops in, in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, the Danny's Dobermans, who I were horrified of, because they were scary-looking beasts and they would bark and they were guard dogs and that's what they were trained to do you know with all the alarms around their house and everything so i gave him he would just keep staring at me so i gave him half of my sandwich because i wanted to make friends with him the, so who, the dog you gave, wait you gave fagliano the half the sandwich or the dog half no, the, the dog the dog the dog i didn't care about fagliano i don't make it <laughs> I was ready. it was the dog he was just staring at me so i just looked open with that long nose i gave him half my sandwich he ate it within a fraction of a second. And when he was done with that, because I didn't have another half of a sandwich to give him, he looked at me and just bit my nose. And and he bit it where I could lift the base of my nose up into the air. And it was miraculous that he didn't get the side of my cheek because I'd be, you know, I'd look like Al Capone for the rest of my life. And, and but, you know, then, of course, everyone was like, you know, Tack, you get blood on the cards. You get blood on the stratomatic cards. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys, sorry. But I went to the hospital. We're, doctor we're sti- said, no stitches, yeah. No stitches. No stitches, because the doctor said a dog's saliva is cleaner than a human saliva. And and you don't need stitches. He bit you in the right place. And look, I still, if you look at my nose on the side, you can still see the, you know, the, the, the pock marks in the hole, whatever. But you can't see straight on, like, anything. And I got so lucky, but I had to work at Cookies that night. I don't remember Cookies. That was a place in the King's Plaza Mall. It was like, a, you know, one of those places, all you can eat buffet thing. And I was the ice cream server. And so my mom and dad came over, and they used to eat there because they'd make their ice cream for them. And my mom came over, and I just remember this vividly. I said, hey, Mom, and I lifted my nose up into the air. Oh, my God. And she almost passed out right there. Just she almost went down. So, but, yeah, yeah, that was that was a great experience at Danny's house. And, I knew I knew both of Joe's parents. I knew Joe both of Joe's parents. They were wonderful, beautiful people. And um, 
You know, it's interesting because Joe talks about, uh, you know, serving ice cream. And, um, you know, you could just watch Joe on TV or follow his career. And, you know, he obviously he, he likes nice suits and nice cars and nice restaurants. But he definitely didn't start out that way. Uh, Joe did not was not born yeah. with a silver spoon in his mouth. Uh, another another recollection that I have of Joe Tacopina was you were a, a toll collector for the right yeah. at the MTA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> summer toll collector, 125 degrees at the battery tunnel when they didn't. You know that ETA environmental stuff wasn't really a thing then. And the exhaust fumes of the cars, you know, now and if you look at the tolls now, aside from the fact that every car has, you know, have to pass emissions tests and all that, the, the tolls now have these incredible air filtration systems inside the boots. Back then, we had nothing, and the cars would just blow muffler smoke in. And yeah, I lost brain cells, too many to count, obviously, um, as you could see. Um, but, but, you know, we, it was... It was those are rough days, boys. So just so folks can wrap their brain around this, when we were kids, obviously we had no money to, to pay for the toll. I don't even know what it was back. It was like 50 cents or a dollar to go through the tunnel. You always took the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we would be like, maybe <laughs> let, let's go slow. Maybe we could see where Tacopina is, like, and he'll just wave He'll just wave us through. Billy People, Santo and, and, and used to take his truck through there, look for me, I could see the truck slowing down. I'd have to wave my arm out the window and he's head right from my lane. I mean it was it was such oh my God. That was those were the times, yeah. So you went you so, went to Skidmore. Yeah. You went to Skidmore College mm-hmm. and, and you played hockey at Skidmore, correct? Played hockey, uh and baseball and but in hockey, you know, my, my one of the proudest accomplishments of my life is I hold an NCAA record that I achieved at Skidmore, Skidmore College for single season penalty minutes, which, you know, I'll never forget. Right, penalty was, minutes. You know, penalty <laughs> minutes, yeah, penalty minutes. <laughs> cannot be broken ever. It's like it's it's like more secure than Joe DiMaggio's hit streak because it can't be broken because they changed the rules. Back then, you could get into a fight in a game. You get a five-minute penalty. You're in the box. You come out. You get another fight, another five-minute major. Third fight, you get a game's conduct. Today's hockey in the NCAA, one fight, gone for the game. Second fight of the year, gone for three games. Third fight of the year, you're gone for the season. Wow. So it's impossible to break that. No one can get 410 minutes in one season, ever. And so, Joe, you know, everyone knows kind of uh, my dad laid the groundwork for me to head in the direction of of the law. What what drew you? I mean, clearly when you were poly and, I mean, you were – Focus on being an athlete, and uh, you know, I mean, I know you were a, an A plus student. Were you the valedictorian or the salutatorian? I forget which I one was almost it. Almost made valedictorian. Okay, I, I, I missed it by. I think it was the Latin course that threw me off a little bit, but hey, felt yeah, Okay, I was able to. I, I, I was. I was uh, summa cum barely. Is what I was <laughs> um, That's a good one. So, so uh, you're graduating uh, um, Skidmore, and what you know? How does the law thing? How does Quinnipiac uh, Law School pop up into your life? Um, Joe McGinnis. That's how. Uh, Joe McGinnis was a great true c- crime author. I mean, he's written amazing, amazing books. Not just on crime, actually. On, he's just a, a nonfiction author, but he wrote a lot of crime books. The one being. Um, Fatal Vision. Fatal Vision was this amazing book, and they made movies out of it. It's still a very famous case about this Army Green Beret in Fayetteville, North Carolina in the 70s who was accused of slaughtering his wife and, and two beautiful kids. Um, and, and he basically said it was this Army, as a Green Beret surgeon. And he basically said that some hippies came into his house, broke in, killed his family, said, you know, kill all the pigs, and, and left. And he had some very superficial wounds on his arms. And at first, everyone believed him. The family of Colette, his wife, was all behind him. Everyone was. 
then the story starts to crack a little bit. And, um, you know, he was ultimately brought on trial, um, acquitted by the, in the Army and the JAG, then brought to trial again in federal court, was convicted, and has spent the rest, is spending the rest of his life in jail, um, you know, after living, you know, sort of high in the hog for a while and becoming a celebrity. Um, so that's, but that's, that's the point. The point is this. Every page of that book, Arthur, when I was reading it, I was fascinated because one page I'd say, okay, oh, my God, this guy's so guilty. Next page, oh, he's not guilty. Next page, he's guilty. And, and the trial process intrigued me so much that I said, I want to do this. I love this stuff. Then I joined the Bay Club and, you know, argued that you know, pink is blue and blue is orange or whatever. And um, away I went. You know, my, my debate club teacher, debate yeah, club teacher told me, you know, you should try and be a lawyer. You're, you're pretty good at this stuff. So between that and Joe McGinnis's book, I took a flyer and I went. And you went to uh, Quinnipiac School of Law. And um, yep. how'd you wind up in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office? You know, uh, I worked at the fire department. My mom was a, a, a basically um, uh, a bookkeeper for the NYP. Uh, FD for the fire department. And, you know, she knew some people in there that knew someone who knew Hines. And, uh, because Hines was the fire commission. Hines was the fire commissioner before he was the DA. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there were people who were very close to Joe, to, to our, our dear friend Joe Hines, and basically, you know, said, yeah, I'll give him a, I'll give him a shot. We'll, we'll interview him. And that was it. He hired me. Um, it was, you know, you and I have talked about it before. I think I said to you when I first met you there, you said, how was the job? I said, it's the greatest job you could ever have. You'll make more money pumping gas at mobile, but it's the greatest job you'll ever have. And, exactly. And, you know, that, That's, that, that, was, that was my first day in the office. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, All right, Joe, we're going to take a quick we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back with Joe Tacopina. I want to talk a little bit with Joe about some of his other cases. You know, Donald Trump is not his first client that he's ever represented. And then obviously you're going to hear it from the source of what's really going on regarding the people of the state of New York versus Donald Trump. Don't go away. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Coming up tonight at 7 o'clock, Tony Darrow, comedian and actor, will join Christine Nicholas and myself. It's Radio Night Live, and it's all about the fun for your weekend. We'll see you then. A Climate Change with Matt Matern explores all angles of fighting climate change and helping our environment. Matt also explores changing the climate of our political dialogue and helping to unite and heal this nation. A Climate Change is a one-hour talk focus show hosted by Matt Matern, a highly experienced employment and environmental attorney who talks issues with today's top authors and influential personalities. Sunday nights at 8 on AM 970, The Answer. This is Mike Gallagher. Visit the Holy Land with me and Inspiration Cruises and Tours. No other trip will be like Stand With Israel. StandWithIsraelTour.com. StandWithIsraelTour.com or call 855-565-5519. I have been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College because court reporters are such an essential part of the legal field. Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The Accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. Students complete their curriculum in the new Center for Healthcare Simulation on Plaza's 
campus and within the best hospital systems in New York City. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It is incredible. If you want additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or the School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu. That's plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. Hello, this is John Leventhal. I am a partner in the law firm of Idala Bertuna and Kamins. I have been a lawyer for 43 years, including 13 years as a trial judge and 13 years as an appellate judge. I have presided over almost every kind of civil and criminal case, and I have seen litigants facing almost every legal problem you can imagine. What is the most important thing for a litigant to do? It is to obtain the right lawyer, someone with the ability to navigate you through the court system and achieve the best possible outcome. At Idala Bertuna and Cammons, that is what we offer. When I was on the bench, Idala Bertuna and Cammons earned the reputation of being the boutique law firm that fights passionately for their clients in the most professional manner in both civil and criminal cases. I am proud to be a member of the Idala Bertuna and Cammons law firm, where our lawyers will give you the powerful representation you all deserve. Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and I am in love with my shiny, bald, smooth head. Hemp Leaf products are made with all natural ingredients and essential oils to bring you comfort and relief and keep you looking young. Hemp Leaf is the next big thing in skin and body care. The whipped body butters and creams leave my skin feeling soft, smooth, hydrated, giving my aging skin the nourishment it needs to stay young and healthy. Their liquid black soap glides on, leaving my my skin soft, crisp, and clean. They also have this amazing muscle rub called Icy Pot. The guys at Hemp Leaf also gave me samples of a remarkable neuropathy cream called Helixer that I gave to Marianne, and she uses it on her heels. She said it's been nothing short of a miracle. Within minutes, it soothes her aching feet. Remember, they don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in it. Visit them at HempLeaf.com. That's Hemp, H-E-M-P-L-I-E-F.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We return now with lifetime New Yorker and legal analyst, attorney Arthur Idala, and the Arthur Idala Power Hour. And we're back with, uh, with Joe Tacopina, the, the uh, lawyer for the president of the United States, Donald Trump. And we're just talking about Joe's uh, career in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. Joe, I happened to be uh, a, a, a today in 120 Skirmahorn Street, like two hours ago, three hours ago. I mean, when was the last time you were in that building? I, honestly, Arthur, I don't I mean, five, ten years ago. I don't even remember. Right. Does it still, so does it I, still exist? It, it, it not only yeah, exists, it's still... It was on his last legs. When we I were, know, but they put like a million dollars into it. They shined up all no. those. You, you remember, that was that was that, those big, glorious courtrooms with all the inlaid wood. Yeah, and the building's yeah, like yeah, 120 yeah. years old. But, yeah, there were more rats than people, though, yeah. when we were there. But Yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot it's a lot nicer now. But I just want to read you oh, something. Wow. So so I, was, I tried most of my cases on the 10th floor in the DA's office in front of Judge John DeLore. 
And um, I tried them with Emilio Grillo and Joe Rosa. So I could, after my hearing today, which I want to talk to you about in a couple minutes, um, I couldn't resist but to go up to the 10th floor. And I went there, and the courtroom was locked, but I just took pictures outside the courtroom of the door, and I sent them to those two guys. And Joe wrote back to me. Here's the quote. I'm going to read it to you, Joe, because you can appreciate this, because you were there at the exact yeah. same time. Yeah. At, my, at my funeral, during my eulogy, one of you two guys must stand up and say, quote, you all are talking about when the, the happy, absolute happiest times of his life. You talk about the home runs he hit as a kid, marrying the love of his life, the birth of his children, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something. That guy loved nothing in his life more than roaming around that crappy courtroom with his two friends, you two idiots, and acting like he was the king of New York City. Even if it was just for a few hours every few weeks, it was the greatest time of my life. If you guys don't stand up and say that at my funeral, I will, hold, I will haunt both of you. Thank you so much, Artie, for sending me that picture. You made my day. And, Joe, we were, really, we were both blessed to be there when crime was rampant. We were both in the courtroom trying cases like, when, like the day we got sworn in. And Joe Hines and our supervisors basically let us be lawyers and let us fall on our faces here and there and, and, and thrive when, when we could. Tell us a little bit, Joe, about your days in the Brooklyn DA's office. Best experience ever. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. That, that allowed us to be lawyers who could get up on our feet in a moment's notice and just, just rip. I mean, that was what it was. I mean, I had Deanna Rodriguez was my, my chief, right, or my deputy, and, and they – be like there was a cold case file and they said someone needs to try this tomorrow I'll be like i'll take it you know i'll take it and they were like but you can't win there's no witnesses that's okay i'll take it and you know it was just getting into that process of, of getting on your feet prepping a case for trial addressing a jury which you and i love to do obviously um it was something that really was um invaluable when you look back now i mean it's, it was just amazing what that did for us the ability to you know, I've, I've had 40 trials in like three, four years. It was crazy. Now, um, Joe, the, the big difference between us at that point, because I don't want to run out of time with you. The big difference with us at that point is you were married with a child, correct? I was, yeah, I was married to Tish with one, with Morgan. With we Morgan. lived in a ba- illegal basement apartment, I think, on, on Sydney Place in Brooklyn Heights. But not the whole basement, just the back part of the basement. Um, <laughs> and it was literally, we had one table. Um, a couch, and Morgan would just run around the couch watching Barney, and that was a whole like that was the whole thing, dude. I mean, it was it was. And, and didn't you have like another part time job outside of the DA's office at that time, having dude, something to do with coaches? Yeah, that was when we finally uh, moved to Connecticut. I became a yeah. I was I was that's when I left the DA's office, was becoming a um, a defense attorney, and I had to do you know we had Morgan at that point, and Chris was born, and I was. Still not making much money. I was, you know, just you know, barely getting by. I was just starting, and um, I had to work as a coat check boy at a club called Longshore in Westport, which is a posh, prestigious, you know, Westport, Connecticut, where you know, there's three Italians. It's very, you know, posh and all that. Well, I was work. I was a trial lawyer prepping a federal RICO case, the police corruption case, the Morgan Boys case, my first big trial, and I was doing checking coats on Friday and Saturday night, and people like throwing coats at me, like you know, here, son. And they'd hand me like a dollar at the end of it. I was like, we mother. So it, was, um, it, was, it, was, 
It was an interesting uh, period. Let's put it that way. But so, Joe, let's just run. Give me a sense of humility. Yep. Yeah, I know. And and look, working, I'm sure, scooping ice cream and being in the toll booth and all those other things. And then when you first started, you didn't go into an office, right? You started uh, when you left the DA's office. You weren't you like operating your law firm out of a diner? Multiple diners because they don't let me stay for an hour and a half. I could only one bagel would only go so far. So I'd go down literally down Lexington Avenue. Every three blocks, get a new diner. I had one of those cell phones with those big battery packs that they used to have that weighed like 38 pounds. And that was my gig. I would just stay in the corner of a diner, make calls, read case files, read transcripts of trials. And that's how it all started. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, when you think back. But you know what? That's That comes from our upbringing and how we were brought up and where we were brought up. And, and you know, that's all Brooklyn, right? That, that, that grit and that ability to just do that and make it work. However, however we had to make it work, we made it work. And you said the first, your first big trial was the Morgue Boys case? Yeah. When I left the DA's office, um, you know, a lot of the cops I'd worked with in, in my zone, the gray zone, um, were indicted for police corruption. You know, that Morgue Boys case, the Mullen Commission sort of offshoot where they were indicted in federal court for Ileo Glasser. Um, I had that case where one of the cops I worked with was charged, um, indicted for civil rights violations. Of, and the Morgue Boys case was about a morgue factory where... In, in, you know, worst parts of Brooklyn, um, Sutter Avenue and all that stuff, uh, East New York, the people, Brownsville, people from the uh, the cops were allegedly stealing the drug dealers' cash and drugs, taking them into a morgue factory and splitting them up. And they're thinking, you know, who's going who's gonna to rat on us, the drug dealers? And ultimately, you know, they got caught and something happened, but my guy was acquitted. That was my first big win. And I was, you know, three months out of the edge office on the front page of the New York Times, and it was... Uh, it was a good break. It was a lucky break. And and soon thereafter, how far after that did you have the Louima case? Louima case came like two or three years right after that. That's when I started, you know, getting a name with the police officer. I started doing union work for the cops. Did the Louima case, which was a crazy case that I had to do, a, a you know, uh, an opening statement next to Maureen Kornberg, who was representing Volpe, the real, you know, the right. culprit in that case. The guy he, he, pled, he pled to 30 years, court. right? Yeah, halfway through the trial, after he right. was not guilty for the first half of the trial and screwing all of us up. Um, but my opening statement was, I went right up to Volpe. I said, we have nothing to do with this guy. My client is not just the Volpe. It has nothing to do with him. And it was that, you know, that, that was a unique sort of strategy, but it was the only one we had to take because the evidence against Volpe was so overwhelming and devastating. And he was guilty. And um, I just so, didn't want my guy to go down for that. You did real well for him. And then you did the Dorisman case, right? Was it Patrick Dorisman? Was that his name? Yeah, Doris Mon, exactly, exactly, Doris Mon. I started getting involved with all these other police cases. Um, and, you know, look, it, it took me, it, it gave me some notoriety, got me into the, the newspapers, and I had been fortunate enough to be winning these cases. So it was a, it was a good good little sort of and launching. You, uh, and you had, you had the media in the mix, and I remember telling you, coming to you and going like, Joe, you know, Fox wants to give me a contract to be on TV. What do you think? He, he said to me, Idala, you should be paying them to be on TV. It will change exactly. you. It'll change your career. It'll change everything. And, and it would be naive for either of us to say that that, that didn't help. I'm sure in some ways, Joe, it, it has hurt us. And I'll be blunt with you. One of the reasons why I'm doing this interview and doing it so extensively is I'm tired of people like sometimes saying about you, oh, Tacopini, he's just a he's just a, a, a blowhard. He goes on TV and he just does this and mm-hmm. that. And I'm in the position saying, really? He won this trial? He won this trial? I mean, the yeah. rape cop capes in New- case in New York City? I remember talking to my father about it. I mean, all the newspapers, 
Every single newspaper, the right yeah. newspaper, yeah. the left paper, they all had like there was like you guys were going to get convicted in two seconds, and they basically got convicted. What? Not a lead grape. Not a, not a lead rape cops. They were called rape cops. Yeah. Right. And the rape cops. And they guy, got what? They got yeah. convicted yeah. of a misdemeanor or something. Yeah. They were, what we what we acknowledged during the trial was official misconduct where they had gone off their their you know their duty and their patrol and went back to this woman's house repeatedly, but. They were acquitted of rape and the outrage at that case. I had a woman protesting outside my office for two years, Arthur, two years. One lady with a sign every day. Um, yeah, that was, that was, I remember the front page of the New York Post, Andrea Pizer's article, Justice Defiled, and big red letters. I was like, okay, that must be a good thing. Um, so, yeah, that was exactly, that was one of the. And before I go to break, and then Lilo Broncato. So you went from you went from representing all of these police officers to Cops, then you represent Lilo, then to Lilo, Lilo who was accused all, of killing a police officer, right? Yeah, that was a fun juxtaposition. When I walked down the hallway every day to Bronx Court, seven hundred officers would be lined up, standing at attention, like glaring at me. And I pretend I was just walking, like no one was there. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun thing. And, and the city councilman Montserrat, you took care of him. And Vandersloot, yeah, and, and the list yeah. goes on and on. We're going to run out of time with Joe Tacabino. We're going to take a quick break, and now you're going to hear about the people of the state of New York v. Donald Trump from Donald Trump's attorney, Joe Tacopina. Don't go anywhere. Is your car still under warranty? No, not anymore. My mechanic just suggested an extended service plan from Ox Car Care. Ox Car Care? Yeah. Ox will cover repair bills if anything happens to the car. New brakes, transmission, AC, or engine problems. Plus, Ox Car Care offers free oil changes, tire rotation, and roadside assistance. Wait, you pay nothing on repairs? Ox gets it fixed? Free oil changes, free tire rotation, and free roadside assistance? Yeah, you don't pay. Ox pays. Ox even has a 30-day money-back guarantee and is A-plus rated on the BBB. They handle their claims from start to finish, unlike those other warranty companies. The last thing I need is an unexpected car repair bill. I'm calling Ox Car Care now. Call Ox Car Care for your free quote, 800-294-7524. Ask about senior and military discounts. Don't get stuck with a major car repair bill. Call Ox today, 800-294-7524. Or log on to oxcarcare.com. Ox Car Care, 800-294-7524. Folks, have you heard that our morning host Joe Piscopo and Steve Perillo have put together a special intimate trip to Rome and Sicily for our AM 970 listeners? Do you want to go? It's simple. Just call 800-431-1515, 1-800-431-1515, and say, I want to go to Apollonia's hometown with Joey P. Please make it happen. How does that sound? You go to Rome for three nights, including a special intimate performance by Joe Piscopo. Then you fly directly to Sicily, visiting Catania, Taromina, and Palermo. See medieval towns like Savoca and Forza de Agro in Messina. Why these towns? Because we're going to visit some of the iconic sites from the famous Godfather movie. How cool is that? Can't leave Sicily until you have a wine tasting in the shadow of Mount Etna. You'll do that too. And then on to Palermo for three more nights. Nine nights in all. The tour dates are October 18th to 28th. Be a part of this special event. Call Perillo Tours at 1-800-431-1515. 1-800-431-1515. Or go to perillotours.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The Answer. The guy who's who's on the other end of his microphone, he's he's better have a lot of power because uh, he's got the highest profile defendant in the history of the planet Earth. I think you can make that argument. 
And uh, he's going up against the district attorney's office that now, you know, they say you never back a rat into a corner. Well, these guys are backed into a corner. Joe Tacopina, the lawyer for Donald Trump. I mean, I know you can now I now I could wind you up and just let you go because you've been doing this for a week now. So just tell us, Joe Tacopina, from the mouth of the lawyer who's really in the know. No one's guessing here. These aren't legal analysts. This is the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Give us your take on the people of the state of New York versus Donald Trump. Um, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous case because it, 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 it really stretches the rule of law to a point that it's breakable. You know, in fact, I think in part the rule of law died in this country yesterday. Um, it, it, it's, you know, when a district attorney's office can indict their own political enemies, we are in trouble in this country. And, and what, what it really endangers the rule of law for all Americans today. You know, today's Donald Trump, okay, and he's an easy target. You know, people don't like him in New York and whatever. You know, tomorrow it's a Democrat. And the day after tomorrow, it's, uh, you know, our friend, it's, you know, your brother, my nephew, niece, whatever. Joe, we've seen and it. We've seen it all the time. It's, but Arthur, not like this. This is. No, no, you're right. Me back. This harkens back to, like, horrible regimes, uh, Nazi Germany, communist China, the Soviet Union, where, where you pick a target. You pick someone you don't like. I mean, Pomerantz gave it up in his book. I mean, that book gave us so many pearls. I mean, you pick someone you don't like, you, you despise, you want to get, and then you find the crime. And that's not how it's supposed to work in this country, okay? And that's exactly what they did by their own admissions. They scoured this guy's personal and professional life for seven years. They went back seven years in, in a three-year investigation, and they came up with this case, which is premised on a legal confidentiality agreement that's done every day. You and I have done a million of them, Arthur. Well, you know, in, in, in a transaction between two individuals having absolutely no impact on campaign finance laws. As the so, FTC Joe, you keep telling me every time we talk, you keep telling me, Idala, this is not a crime. Idala, this is not a crime. So not, tell the millions of listeners to AM 970 why this is not a crime. Because you have the, the law is very clear in this campaign finance law. He, he had a civil settlement that actually his lawyer at the time, Cohen, worked out without him. He, he, Trump didn't even sign the, the settlement agreement. That was Cohen who signed it after he took out a, a loan to pay the money. Then he went back to the president and his, and his accountants and all that and said, look, I'm going to have to bill you over the course of the year for all this and legal fees and everything else. But he had engineered this agreement. It was a settlement agreement to, to keep confidential an alleged um, affair, which the president has denied. And Stormy Daniels in many letters has denied also. But putting that aside, then what happens is as a personal expenditure, even though there was a campaign going, he used personal funds, unlike John Edwards, who used campaign funds, personal funds, because it was a personal matter. And it impacted his personal life, like his family and his own embarrassment and whatever else. Then the next rule you look at statutorily when you're evaluating this federally, this is a federal campaign, is would the money have been paid irrespective of the candidate's uh, campaign? And the answer here is, of course, yes. Even Michael Cohen, when he pled guilty, said that. So, of course, the money would have been paid. So you have no crime. And as far as false business records, there was nothing filed. He didn't take a tax deduction. That would have been a problem if he took a tax deduction, but he didn't. He didn't pay with campaign funds. So, therefore, he didn't notify the FEC, which the FEC has come back and said, that's cool. You didn't have to notify us. That was a personal matter. For For personal funds to be something that is considered a campaign donation, it has to be made exclusively for the benefit of the campaign exclusively, not in part, not primarily exclusively. So that did not happen. And now we're in a situation where he's actually being charged with something. He didn't file his, his ledgers or his, his, 
his, his documents. He didn't file it because he didn't take a tax deduction and he didn't have a campaign obligation. Could you imagine the people now that would be baying for Donald Trump's scalp if he had used campaign funds for this? I mean, they, they're saying this was a campaign issue. By theory, he should have, of course, that argument should have been used campaign funds. Of course he didn't, but they would have been going crazy. Campaign funds for a personal expense, and they'd be seeking to indict him for that. So he's damned if he did and damned if he didn't. So, Joe, I want to ask you a quick question. If Let's just say it's filing a false instrument. The, the guy comes in. He's a 75-year-old businessman, not the president of the United States, not a named guy, comes in filing a false instrument, gets charged by the Manhattan DA's office. Uh, what disposition under those circumstances does Joe Tacopina get for that client? If it was a normal person? Yeah. They wouldn't be charged, Arthur. There's no other human no, being. Even, even, even if they were charged. I mean, wouldn't you, we could get them right. like, a viol- like a violation oh, and a fine, of right? Of course, a violation of fine. A right. violation of fine. Here, I mean, the, the, you know, New York doesn't have the death penalty, but, but if, if they did, I'm sure that would be something they would want to consider. I mean, it's horrible. It is polit- it's the justice system and the weaponization of this justice system and, and, and the politicizing of prosecutor's office. And it's scary because all the rules have gone out the window here. And the rule of law is, is in, in real peril today in this country. All right, Joe, I know I want to let you go. Do you have any insight into the logistics of Tuesday when he's supposed to surrender? Or is that really no, out of your hands Matt, and, and into the Secret Service and Dennis Quirk's You hands? got it. You got it. Quirk <laughs> and Secret Service. Like, I'm an innocent bystander, hopefully, an innocent bystander here. I'm not going to get – I'm sort of following orders here. This is – no one knows what the hell is going to happen or what's going on or how this is going to work. Um, and but, is there you know, any reason – that, and, any reason to think that the actual arraignment is going to be more than the three minutes it typically is? Here's the answer to that question. It's a great question. Who knows? Who knows what they have up their sleeve? Who knows the dog and pony show they're going to want to make out of it? It should be three minutes, and we should be out of there. But, you know – I'm sure we're in for some more surprises. Like, you know, we heard, oh, it's four weeks that they're adjourning the grand jury. And then all of a sudden, last night at 530, yeah, he's indicted. Yeah, and you're wearing jeans, and you're wearing jeans and a shirt, and you're unshaven. What the heck, Joe? Yeah. All right, ladies I mean, and gentlemen, Joe Tacopina. I have a feeling we'll be hearing from him more. If you, I didn't go that deep in with Joe here because you could go anywhere. Any of the morning shows today, Rosanna Scotto show, you could hear Tacopina's uh, uh, spiel on what's going on here. Uh, I wanted you to get a little bit about who Joe Tacopina really is and what a fantastic lawyer he is and what a storied career he truly has. Joe, go get him. Good luck. And, uh, Good, brother. And, and and a soon-to-be grandpa, Joe Tacopina. That's the big yeah, announcement. Yeah, soon-to-be grandpa. To go, so. Any minute, right? Any week? Any one yeah, of these weeks? Yeah. That's Yeah, it's like a week or two away. Tish is heading over there next week. I'm going to follow. It's crazy. It's you know if it's a boy or a girl? Crazy, no, they don't want to know. But I Good. Know. I love that. The surprise. I love it. <laughs> All right, folks. All right, Joe Tacopina, have a good night, Giuseppe. Okay, bro. Go. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The... Um, you know, I, I could have spent the whole 45 minutes talking about Joe, but honestly, talking about the case, I mean, but there's there's so much out there. I mean, Joe, look, Joe has been so overexposed for himself, but this is exactly what the president of the United States, former president of the United States, Donald Trump, wants. I'm not guessing at that. I, I know that he he wants a lawyer who's going to go out there and fight for him. And although a week ago today there was that silly picture that went out with Trump with a with a baseball bat, which I think has been was pulled down pretty quickly thereafter. But I think the fact that Joe I don't think I know the fact that Joe is out there, 
you know, pounding his chest on behalf of the former president um, is kind of keeping the president calm. And if you notice, he hasn't really been going crazy with the tweets and all of that stuff. Um, look, Joe is putting his neck out on the line. I, I, in all of his cases, I forgot to mention A-Rod, who he represented, Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick. And look, let's be honest, some of those cases didn't end very well for Joe. He, he had a great relationship with Bernie Carrick. That, that went sideways. I don't think he ended on a good note with, with A-Rod. I mean, that's all stuff that was on the cover of the newspapers. But, you know, when you're in these, these leagues, when you're in these big leagues, you got to be ready to take the incoming. And I remember last week when they came out with the CNN clip that Joe had said a couple of years ago, well, maybe Trump did do something wrong. And they replayed that clip. I was like, Joe, you know, you're all right with this? And he said, he wrote back, he goes, it's going to take a lot more than that to buckle my knees. So, um... You know, he, he's a fighter, and um, I mean, the thing is, Joe Tacopino will forever be defined as Donald Trump's lawyer. Uh, the days of him, oh, yeah, he's the guy who represented A-Rod or Bernie Carrick or Lilo Broncado, those are gone. Now he's just, you know, he'll be the Trump lawyer. Um, he's excellent in the courtroom, and uh, he's going to have a, a tremendous uphill battle because I, Arthur Idala, do not think it's it's capable to get a really fair and impartial jury. A judge is never going to give a change of venue. This case is internationally known. There's nowhere to bring it where no one's going to know about it. But um, if you tune in to the Idola Power Hour, we kind of know a lot about what's going on here. You know, we represent the court officers union. Obviously, you can tell the relationship we have with Mr. Tacopina. We also have a great relationship with President Trump's other lawyer, uh, Susan Necklace, who's a fantastic trial attorney. Um, you know, we know the clerks. We know the judge, Judge Merchant. Um, we shall see interesting times. I try to make this Friday as interesting for you. I hope you had a great ride home. I hope you're home. I hope you have a great weekend. Sunday is Palm Sunday. I will be going to church. We get to listen to the passion about what happened from last supper to the crucifixion. Um, and on behalf of my friend, Frank Setio, uh, he told me after the loss of his daughter, go home and hug your children, kiss them and cherish them. Have a great weekend, everyone. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.